International. Holy fuck nuts Martha Kelly did our podcast Yay. Yeah uh, it's, Love Martha Kelly Yeah it's we Leading the Blind Oh yeah uh, Welcome leading to Leading the Blind Blind Poop uh, Blind Eyelessness people The eyeless The eyeless What's like that sucks. What's this, some Greek story Where somebody gets their eye Oedipus Blinds himself because we, he yeah, fucked his motherfuckers. Motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah, that's. I feel like someone's gonna walk. tell us that we can't do that because of various people who've taken motherfuckers. Yeah, you're probably right. In fact, didn't we try to say motherfuckers once? Because somebody did Facebook message me after there was something you. I think you tried to say fuckheads or something, and someone was like, "Hey, by the way, so such and such <laughs> podcast already took that." And I was like, "Okay, well, Fuck, I don't, fuckheads I don't, is Sean Hannity's followers." Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. That's what it was. Um, no, so yeah, Martha Kelly, fucking awesome to talk to her. Um, really interesting to learn uh, about her life, and she was and, great. She told us some good stories. She was hilarious the whole time. I was nervous the whole time. It was great. I was in a good one of my manic states, which is, you hit her at one point. Yeah, you know, we we cut that out. Martha but Kelly I, can I, take Martha, a punch. Martha, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry for the black guy. Sorry about that. Got excited. Um, it was, you know, we talked a lot about her thoughts on, on traveling and mm-hmm. how she feels on stage. And, um, you know, it's it really it was really illuminating about... Um, you know, we never really know what people's lives are like um, and what goes on inside their heads. And I, we, we really got to learn a lot. Of, that, was, that was an honor. Uh, we talked about being a woman in Austin comedy back before it was hip. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Is it hip now? Well, I don't, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it doesn't feel trendy to you. <laughs> I feel, All I feel these comics <laughs> are trying to be women these days. It's yeah, ridiculous. you wish, you know. Yeah. No, I think, uh, but yeah, it was a good episode. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. Yay. You are special. Oh, well, thank you. She's mean to me. It's, That's, uh, it's, it's this is a good cop, bad cop thing. Thanks for being here. <laughs> <laughs> I did you know? try crank in college a few times. I never really got high and I tried cocaine a couple times, but... I think I didn't do enough of it to feel it. Wait, which one is crank? I don't even know. Maybe it's the same as meth. I think it is the same. Uh, okay. It was garbage, though. It didn't yeah. do anything. It made it so that I couldn't fall asleep, but it didn't make me feel oh, that high. that sucks. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's probably good, though, that you didn't like it. Yeah, that stuff it just um, vacuums up all your money real fast. Yeah. Whereas alcoholism, which is you was can- my personal favorite, um... You can you can stretch your money out a little longer. It still took up yeah. all my money, but not as quickly. How long ago did you stop drinking? Um, thirteen years ago. Con- and congratulations! Congratulations! It's really hard. Well, and it's really good that you did that. I'm uh, lucky. It's been luck more than uh, more than any uh, whatever. I f- uh, who gives a shit? Do you can I cuss <laughs> on your? Yeah. Yes, please. <laughs> um, we require it. How? <laughs> How I mean, let's just jump right into random questions because well, it's not random to me because I, I think about this a lot because I actually just made this decision to stop drinking for comedy. Like, 
I'm trying to see if I can make it not be a problem. Like if I can, so so I don't drink anymore if uh, until after comedy is all over. And even then, I'm probably not going to drink. Like I'll still drink if I'm hanging out just at home with Katie, my fiance, mm-hmm. or in a social situation. But I don't. I'm no longer using my you know drink tickets and blah 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 because. It, it it would sometimes be a problem, and I also right. didn't want to feel like I needed to be a beer and a half in to be on stage. Um, right. So when you stopped drinking, did you do you think that it affected your comedy? Because did it did it ever feel like oh you know sometimes I would be edgier if I were drinking, or or is that something where you're like oh, that was stupid? Um, mostly I drank because of crippling stage fright. Mm-hmm. And it really worked for a while, but then I started getting too drunk. And uh, so by the time that I stopped, um, there was a period where I couldn't do much besides um, you can't um, publicly talk about certain types of recovery stuff. Mm-hmm. But I will say that I there was a period where all I could be around was other alcoholics who were not drinking and meet up with them several times a week because um, I just socially I couldn't stand to be around people without drinking and then performing I couldn't but now you know um, I have a lot better time performing sober than I did drunk yeah um, and socially sometimes too is is more fun the only time it's not fun is if I'm Occasionally, just because I like comics, um, I might go to like a hangout after, and th- the most I can do is maybe an hour, and even that is a stretch because everyone's drinking, and if you're not, and it's at a bar, it just feels dumb to be there. It's you just know? like boring, yeah. or boring rather. Yeah, but it's weird though because hanging out. Um, Hanging out with other comics, whether they're sober or not, is usually my one of my favorite things. But it's just something about when people go after a mic or something to a bar. It's usually the people who really want to get drunk. It's usually not people who are just casual about it. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, and I say hooray for those people. <laughs> they are my people. We should have like a separate <laughs> hangout instead of like there could be mugs and some of the uh, you know a couple of other places, and then there should be a couple of places where it's people who are like, well, we don't we don't really want to drink. We just kind of want to talk about stuff. Well, the, the other split, <laughs> the other split is like people that have like uh, like I don't want to say functioning lives outside of comedy, but like like we go to uh, we don't drink all the time, but we'll go to diners and stuff like that. Mm. Right. But you can't if you have a like a. You need a, a real job and a f- like a fiance. It's hard to go and just be out for three a.m. talking yeah, to people. I right. like it, <laughs> but yeah, it's not for everybody. Yeah, um, yeah. But when I I was I don't know why recently I was thinking about or being down on Sixth Street during Moon Tower, and rare, I rarely go to Sixth Street if I'm not going to the Velveeta Room and then home right after. Well, because it's awful. I yeah, it's like. yeah, it's wild. But we used to um, in the early two thousands, like we would do the Valve open mic and then go to there was a different bar besides Mugshots back then, but it was down there on mm-hmm. Sixth Street, and we would just go and get ripped, and I loved it. It was fun, <laughs> <laughs> but then then after a while, because I'm it's I'm not I'm not not everybody who likes to get drunk has a problem or should stop yeah but 
but I do well, and did. I think it, it's hard if, like, you're susceptible to it if it makes you more socially uh, competent or comfortable. I have the yeah. opposite problem, which helps me maintain sobriety because if I get drunk, I don't feel good in, with people. Hmm. Yeah. I, don't, I don't necessarily get negative, but I like lose my ability to talk to people. Uh, right. Same thing, and especially if I get high and drunk, then it's like, oh, I'm completely isolated well, yeah. now. So I yeah. think that helps me not. To me, it's like it has to be kind of issue. just the right amount. I have to be right in these ranges, and that's where it becomes like if I started drinking at eight because I have a show at eight, but then we're going to be out until two, I'm going to go past that range. Whereas right. if I don't start drinking until ten or eleven then I might be able to like stick to that kind of like two beer. Oh, that's where I'm good at pool, bowling, and social interactions, you know? Right. <laughs> so anyway, cool. Well, no, that gives me hope because I I, I have been comedy sober for now like a, a week and a half. And it's funny because it was, it was at Moon Tower, the after party, which... Um, we, I was talking to Danny and at that point I was dehydrated Danny and too who? drunk oh Palumbo Danny Palumbo and he had said he was uh, Hunter Duncan and I were talking to him and he had mentioned that he had stopped drinking for the past seven days and we were both like whoa how's that going and right there like look at the for seven days he hasn't been drinking and we're like how have you how's it you know like <laughs> how are you whoa. holding up <laughs> yeah and he was like it's, it's been pretty and he you know he didn't bat an eye of course of course for seven days that's great but like not comics and Austinites were such drunks and it just I just realized like I've been because and every day for you know a year and a half I've thought what do I do I need to do something about drinking you know so like clearly I did well um it can it can be a really fun I mean to me life can be really boring or fun drunk or sober like Mm -hmm. I had mostly boring times when I drank after like the times when we would when we would go to the Velveeta room and then go drink after that was like the first couple years that I lived here and I was in my early 30s but then it didn't take long for me till it turned into like I'm just sitting at any bar drinking and I don't even know some of the people I'm with they're just the other people who can't leave the bar yeah <laughs> you know um so but anyway so those were boring drunk times but um I have you can have fun sober it just it just um i don't know i don't for me it was like these groups of other alcoholics who don't drink and kind of asking them how they got from i don't enjoy being around people sober to i don't even think about it you know yeah well, what I realize is like I love being at work because I work at Juiceland during the day and, and it's fun to talk to my coworkers and we laugh mm-hmm. and have a great time and I don't feel like I need to be drunk. And then I'm like, well, if I just think of comedians as my coworkers, mm-hmm. like why would I need to be drunk around them? Why can't we just be right. like it is at Juiceland? Yeah. You know? Yeah, I didn't enjoy being around people during the day. Oh, so well, that you, you might not be, you might yeah. not have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> Same one. yeah. Cool. Um. All right. Well, thanks for, <laughs> thanks for talking to us about that. Um, Jared, did you say that you had a direction that you wanted to go today? Oh, I mean, I have a lot of things. He was texting me a lot today yeah. about like, you know, things I shouldn't. Um, anyway, he, he wants to ask you things. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, I have a few questions. I mean, like, I think um, the first thing that I think about when I think about your comedy is that it's very writerly. And me and all my friends are always asking questions like, uh, how do you develop a voice? 
and do you I wanted to ask first do you feel like you've found your voice on stage and then the second thing is like was there a conscientious process there or was it just a function of doing it a lot and things like that um hmm I don't probably think a lot about that Mm -hmm. it's more like um um I think that when I first started doing it it took me a long time to work up the nerve and so there was a period of maybe a year where I would just write down ideas on scraps of paper and put them in this folder and possible jokes or punchlines and then when I started doing open mics I started with that stuff and then I was lucky because when I started I was living in a neighborhood where there was a weekly open mic and then I met people there who went to other ones and they weren't at comedy clubs so they were um it was mostly other comics watching each other which made you write new stuff all the time which was really good Mm -hmm. but the stuff I wrote was always based on something that happened to me that was probably painful and then something about it that struck me as absurd and I that would be the punchline or whatever Mm mm-hmm and now more my material is more just stupid (laughs) (laughs) random stupid how long has it been random and whimsical would you say i don't know when did i i mean it seems like well i wasn't writing new stuff until i moved back to austin last uh in November of 2015 mm-hmm. and that's when I started working on new stuff more again f- mm-hmm. and I hadn't for a few years so that's when it I think when it changed I think that I just being older and um, some of the things that I used to write jokes by the way I still do jokes that I did the first year that I was doing <laughs> yeah, comedy yeah. if I have hmm. to fill 40 minutes I have to almost do everything I ever wrote <laughs> um <laughs> But um, but also, why wouldn't you? Well, because like, the joke is good. That's but this is the problem for me is like I hate all my jokes right now because <laughs> I just did last month. Today's be, this is the beginning of May. Okay, last month I did a few different headlining sets, and I'm t- I'm just can't stand my material anymore. Mm. And the one thing I did that was fun. Um, was in Minneapolis. I worked with some other comics doing a week called Crash and Burn where there's four of us and we each write 20 minutes Mm -hmm. and we try all of it for the very first time on Tuesday and then by Saturday hopefully some of it's decent. Oh, so you do it every day from Tuesday. Yeah. And that's a really kind of extreme version of uh, we have a few shows here that are like that at an open mic level. Right. Yeah, the playpen. Four four minutes. (laughs) 20 minutes isn't it? Is a really challenging idea. That's awesome. No, I love that. And that's perfect because that's like the pressure is a lot lower on Tuesday and then you can, that's great. Yeah. So that that was the fun part. But then the other other headlining stuff, the stuff that I did that was just doing a long set, even though the people were really nice, um, I just hate my material. And I just got back from... Indiana and I by the last show I just felt like God I feel real bad for these people I fucking hate all my <laughs> <laughs> I feel that way all the time I mean I think so much of that's in our heads but like 
it's funny how you can continue to just feel that way where it, as if those other people are, are watching and just like oh she's doing this again like right they don't feel that way but i mean that pressure is there wait so i want to get to the bottom actually of this and i don't i don't know how to articulate this without just asking these questions how how often are you traveling right now well last month i traveled a week and a half um in the beginning of april and then um six days i just got back on monday okay so kind of like you'll maybe be here for a few weeks and then some and then another city or two or a few for for a week and a half yeah but i just moved back at the end of march so before that i hadn't been doing any road work you were in la for a large chunk yeah right um, okay, so you'll you'll do chunks of time in LA now doing baskets, right? And then you'll kind of use Austin as a home base and then travel from there. Yeah, but I hope to hardly travel at all anymore. Okay, <laughs> really, you don't <laughs> like I it? Hate it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not fun to me because I'm um, even though like I don't I don't feel uncomfortable around people I know, and I don't miss drinking those during those times but to just go to a place i've never been before and be around people i've never met before even when they're really nice it's just uncomfortable oh yeah and 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 taxing i'd imagine yeah and lonely and lonely and then i have and then i leave my pets and uh right that's that's really fascinating about that to to me which is that like what uh, more experienced comics sort of talk about the experience of being a comic because for us right now we're always around our friends and we work on jokes and we always right. get to hang out and then later on when you become like a touring headliner it's you're basically by yourself that's why people yeah. when they choose their um, opener choose their friends that's why people are always saying right like right. be likable make friends because it's not just being the funniest comic like people want someone to hang out with right but um I don't know what the level is that you have to be where you get to bring your own opener, but I am definitely not at that level. (laughs) That's interesting. It's like a level where you... (laughs) I don't know... I'm not either, so it's... I don't know. (laughs) Maybe you just have to be, like, confident enough to, like, bully them and be, like... You know what I mean? Or you... I I think that you have to make enough money to where you can be, like, well, then I'll buy their plane ticket or whatever. Like, I think Maria Bamford started doing that fairly early um bringing people with her because it's like but the thing is even when i sometimes i work with <laughs> sorry twice now. <laughs> it's the coasters are getting um, stuck to the bottom of this i'm just realizing this place is a death trap <laughs> um <laughs> i don't know what to do it's just gonna happen again wait here's a paper one um but if because i don't drink a lot of times even if i'm friends with the people on the show we don't really hang out that much because they go party out after or sometimes um sometimes i work with people that i'm acquainted with but they will even though they're not drinking during the day but they'll hang out with like the club booker during the day not drinking mm-hmm. but yeah. just because they party at night and i don't yeah. Do I sound bitter? Because I'm starting to feel a little angry about it. Why don't they hang out like, with me? But they're, they're, yeah, they're more they're more like you know alcoholic like recovering alcoholic comics. Um, do you do you ever just make friends with them or? Well, um, the ones that I know are mostly um, not people I get to work with. Hmm. Um, 
but like uh, that's why the Minneapolis crash and burn was so fun because we met every day to write together so it wasn't like being alone all day which was nice and even though I hadn't met any of them before that week I ended up just loving them and it was fun yeah it's like I like in elementary school whenever you'd get assigned partners instead of having to choose your teams it's yeah like, yay because now I don't have to go through the social anxiety of yeah are they gonna pick me okay. yeah oh god <laughs> <laughs> that's why y'all are like kind of at camp together that's great thanks Minneapolis yeah. for doing that keep doing that it was really fun I'm gonna ask Margie at Capital City Comedy Club if she would ever do a week like that. Because yeah. it would be... Because the guy who does it there, I asked him if it would be okay if I asked her because it's his idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I did, it just after last week um, and uh, another time that last month I just felt like I don't want to headline. I, have, I only have two more... Um, is it two... Well, I've, yeah, I have two things booked right now. One in the beginning of June and one in the end of July. And I probably won't do any other road stuff beside that, besides that. And where are you going in June and July for our listeners? Um, June, I'm doing the Cluster Fest in San Francisco. Um, but there are actually famous people doing it. So um, the people who buy passes will probably go to the... <laughs> Uh, hey, you know what? See, Buy your people? tickets for Martha Kelly at Clusterfest now, <laughs> uh, because no one will be buying. No one else will death. be buying them. So <laughs> get in early because there will be plenty to spare. <laughs> um, and then in July, July, um, Arlington, Virginia. Oh, cool! I love going to the east, the yeah. southeast of the country because it's so pretty. But again, it'll just I I don't know who I won't know the other comics, and I'll just be I trying not to eat cheeseburgers during the day and stuff. <laughs> just, just a small cheese, half a cheeseburger. Uh, okay, so because there's something that I've noticed with you that I've actually talked about as like one of my comedy career goals because I've seen you, and I remember when you, when you first moved back, um, when they announced, I saw you at the Valve, that was the first time I think I saw you, and it was on a Thursday at our open mic, but when your name was announced, the way that the people you know reacted it was you know maybe it's just the comics but the the room was very much all of a sudden like um not only clapping and whatever very hard but like attention was fully toward you and they clearly loved you and i I, and then like thinking okay well oh she's she must have like lived here they know who she is obviously and then i kind of figured that but even you know months later i saw you at the gatsby and there's something that would happen and i know like not not you know not most of the people in the room were comics and so um there is there's a quality of attention that gets directed toward you and there's a way and then i saw it again at moon tower at the valve when it was like we were doing that um rose thing and that and there's a way that people react to you that's just like they just love you immediately and they like I, I, I don't know it's like that's when we say like how did you develop your voice or like when did you start there's something that you're doing that I think you must have come into at some point that is is getting that reaction from people well it's really nice to hear but I don't know <laughs> do you really um, do you, have you I, notice that what I notice is um, the um, 
the times when people don't like <laughs> yeah. me, which to me are stand, happen more than I like and stand out more. Like I, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not good at, um, uh, I'm not good at not being negative. So yeah. <laughs> that's mostly like when I was in Indiana last weekend, I like these people one show was really really fun mm-hmm. um and i always attribute that to the people in the audience being good eggs mm-hmm. <laughs> and then um one a couple shows were okay and then one of them was the, i think the late show saturday wasn't as fun somebody was that was it there yeah i think it was in indiana um this lady heckled me and uh what did she say am i thinking about the right i can't even this is the the the, how what a weakling i am at doing the road is that i only was gone (laughs) about half the month last month and i'm in a state of where am i what happened when was that like i can't even remember Maybe it's because I'm old, but um, and not weak. Let's look on the bright side. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but some lady heckled me because she just yelled out, "Do oh oh, was it the contest? That's why. That's when I was that was the last night I hosted. I hosted three nights, and the Tuesday before I went to Indiana." That oh, you mean show, it was the funniest person in Austin contest? Yeah, I hosted oh. um, the Tuesday before I went out of town and and this lady yelled do some of your good material oh shit like, <laughs> fucking cunt I, I didn't say that so you I should have the audience would have loved it I, I only ever use the c word to refer to myself publicly yeah in yeah. private I say it about everybody yeah. but, um, <laughs> can I ask every you last that? person it's a, it's a brief aside but how does the club feel about you dealing with hecklers generally as I've thought about that before, like if you call a paying customer, like oh, she's being a cunt, you know. Yeah. If you say that, would they support you or would they? Well, it would depend. <laughs> here's most people who heckle don't do it like she did it, mm-hmm. or at least to me, it seems like most people who disrupt the show are usually drunk and they're trying to add to the good time Mm -hmm. they're mostly trying to add to their own good time but they don't have any ill will but occasionally people have a weird attitude of like maybe they think they could do a better job Mm -hmm. or they're mad at you for some reason because your comedy isn't their style which that is fine like obviously some of your comedy was her style (laughs) Well, she didn't hadn't heard any jokes yet that she liked, so she was requesting that I try some good oh, ones. Oh, I thought maybe this was a fan who was like hoping you would bust out something oh, from, that's the, very from the Comedy Central. That's a positive spin on it, but I don't think that's what she meant. But when people are being dicks, like my, even though I don't, I did it once, and there, if you r- respond angrily to someone who's being a dick, um, a lot of times the audience will turn on you. But my favorite thing is when comics that are like me can't help it. And if someone's <laughs> mean to them, they they just say something terrible back, and I feel like, good. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, what did you wind up saying? Um, I said some. I just was. It was dumb. I I was. Um, something happened that I was nervous about, and she yelled, "Dear." try some of your good material and then I said 
like thanks for ruining my panic attack something dumb and mostly making it make fun of myself but I wanted to be like, why don't you go fuck yourself? <laughs> See, that's stupid because if you like, if it's so rare and it's so like unexpected, I feel like you really could have so gotten away with being like, why don't you stop being a kind? Like, why don't you bring out your good personality? Yeah. Whatever. If you just, I think that bothers me way more when I'm hosting a mic when a person is mean in the audience. Yeah. Because if it's just like my four minutes set at an open mic, it's like, oh, this can be fun and we'll play. But when you have to be confronted with that person so often, it's like, now I think I don't like you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, because like, if someone just doesn't like my jokes, that's I don't feel like that's an affront because you can't help what you think is funny. Yeah. Um, but it's when people get mad. Be It's so to go see a show and be angry at the performer because they're not your style of entertainment is so self-centered and frankly it's cunty (laughs) and was that in the in the beginning of the contest or was that when they were waiting for the results that was i think we were waiting for the results okay i like the idea of before before everyone the ladies (laughs) i know i've got 15 more comics but i want you to switch i mean it's a pretty narcissistic thing too i think the balls on someone in a room full of a few hundred people who thinks like Everyone will be on my side with me yelling out, dude, like something yeah. so mean. I could, did everyone yeah. not just turn and look at her like, fuck you? No, I, they, people, people didn't, I can't remember. It wasn't, it wasn't like, um, she also said it, I should have said this context, but it throws me in a cunty light. But to be <laughs> honest, it's. I was walking. I'm a bit surprised at the amount of cunty that has happened. Yeah. On this is the most cunt. Uh, so I never. Podcast, I no, I like, it's funny. When I was in my 20s and 30s, I don't think I would even say it. I would I would say the c word because <laughs> I, I thought it was really offensive. And then um, I encountered a lady who um, was not calling her a fucking bitch was not enough. didn't do it <laughs> it wasn't enough <laughs> I didn't call her that to her face but behind her back I started calling her a fucking cunt and once I did I was like god that feels, Ooh, that good. feels good <laughs> <laughs> why doesn't everybody say this all the time yeah I have a former boss who I started calling her a cunt on stage and that felt really good that's when I'm like she's it I put her in my phone also because I wanted my iPhone to stop auto-correcting cunt to other things and mm-hmm. if you put some if you put it in uh, someone's name that's really? a good trick for fuck to if you you know how it does duck if you put it mm-hmm. in so I just you know if you change all your bosses and stuff to cunt and bitch and fuck and cunt, you know. I love it I love saying that I'm sorry to say it's probably not a good thing about but like what today walking around the grocery store I was <laughs> thinking about thoughts about people who no one was doing anything so it's possible that this lady in the audience wasn't a cunt but I didn't like what she said because <laughs> I did the same dumb joke every night that I hosted where at one point I would say I'm deliberately not doing my best jokes because (laughs) I don't want to accidentally win the contest. (laughs) And so she was referring to that, but it was still uh, uh, put down. It was still like yelling out in a in a um, quiet moment something and, negative yeah. and if I could say it's also I didn't mean to cut you off but mm-hmm. uh, it's also a weird thing for an audience to do or somebody in the audience because stand up is such an intimate thing when it's at it's best 
that when people talk to you like you're not a person yeah. on stage, like you don't have feelings. Right. Yeah, I know you have to be resilient for it, but just from an objective standpoint, it's like that is not a, that's a weird thing for a person to say to another person in a room. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's what. I, that's one of the reasons I have such animosity towards mean hecklers and I might even be remembering her meaner than she was just because at the time it made me feel foolish Mm -hmm. but like just that people think that because you have the microphone well you're the one in control so you're the one who has the advantage but really it's this whoever's on stage is a person standing with a spotlight on them no one you can't see anybody in the audience and they can anonymously yell out something terrible and there's no one looking at them yeah you know so they're getting it's anonymous it's similar to the internet but not as yeah extreme well and i think she probably also really thought that that was a really funny joke to make you know right. she was doing a callback to your joke and she was trying to get callback points yeah and I, maybe it was even someone who'd been there all weekend and you know all sunday monday and tuesday and had, i just like the idea that she like was thinking about it on Sunday Monday like what if at some point on Tuesday <laughs> night I make this great joke and then everyone laughs you know yeah I'm I <laughs> I'm too I'm probably angrier at her than she deserves not looking back do you want to tell her now that you forgive her on our podcast <laughs> I don't want to get carried away. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you, you, if, you, if you're listening, Martha Kelly has not forgiven you, and it, sound, it sounds like you're a cunt. I mean, I don't know if she was a cunt, but I feel like I'm sorry that I have said that she was a fucking cunt because she might not have been. Well, sp- yeah. speaking of the right. feminine, I was going to ask you a question. I, I just I wanted to, because you've been doing comedy for a while, so I'm curious, um, uh, this is going to be a non sequitur, but if you've, as a woman comic, if you faced... Uh, what you felt like was discrimination and has it gotten better you feel like um i only encountered have ever felt that um in stand-up uh situations where i don't know how to like when i started in la there were lots of women going to the mics that i went to that were really funny and all the guys treated us they either treat most of, I should say overwhelmingly the mm-hmm. guys treated us like sisters or sometimes people would date each other but it wasn't ever it's a boys club and the women are struggling to get into it it was we were all together doing it mm-hmm. and then when I moved to Austin in 2000 it was the same way and I feel like whenever I've come back here it's been like that so um the places sometimes i've been at clubs in other places i didn't live where i felt like it was a boys club and they like san antonio in 2000 probably one and two i felt like doing the club there they would do after the regular show on the weekend they would do a midnight open mic and it was all guys and they were doing sorry to say but just so you get an idea they were doing like wash your pussy jokes (laughs) oh cool (laughs) this is so fun to be here like that kind of gross shit it was just in case the women didn't know to wash right yeah Um, it is a PSA Um, it is actually self-cleaning for anyone listening uh, right if I I don't know (laughs) yeah he's just scared (laughs) I love that Uh, well no because we have talked to a lot of people you know who've been here for a long time who talked about the valve particularly and have suggested that it might have been an uncomfortable place for women back in the day you were like one of the only women around for that but that was before i 
right not long before but it was still before i came because when i came um i met like matt sadler and matt bearden and um um some other austin guys who are more doing like sketch and improv mm-hmm. yeah the sketch and improv guys are less washer pussy rape jokey than yeah but some of them are more are more date rapey than comics oh, yeah. I, from what go. i've heard i've yeah. not ever encountered that and a lot of ladies in my position would be like well then it doesn't happen but i'm not one of those <laughs> Just, ladies yeah. i don't subscribe to that that if it doesn't happen to me it must not really happen yeah that's a dangerous uh but a lot of women are, are not just women men people it's people have a tendency to be like well if someone's been nice to me then i can't believe they've ever done anything wrong yeah. Which I want to believe right. about people, but I've found out it's not. Yeah, I think you. Yeah, you can't just believe anything one way or the other. It's I don't know. It's, well, and, it gets and, very dangerous. And people don't generally treat everybody equally anyway. Like right. people that abuse people generally find people that they can abuse, and right. so uh, obviously there are going to be a lot of women that they treat normally or respectfully. Yeah. Because otherwise they would just be in prison already. Right, and also like I'm. The women in Austin now, I'm not saying, I'm not addressing anything specific (laughs) in Austin, but just, and LA, either one. But like, I'm, it's usually women who are in their 20s and early 30s who are new that if a guy's a predator, he's going to go after a woman who's not sure of herself Mm -hmm. and wants, you know, wants to believe that if someone's offering to help her, it's because they think she's talented and that should be what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but they don't usually, they're not usually like, that lady in her 40s, I wonder if I could pull one over on her. <laughs> <laughs> oh my they, God. You know. What, what a disaster. Uh, it, when you got here, were there other women? Yeah, like I met Michelle Balloon. Um, We, me and Michelle Balloon and Chris Fairbanks all moved to Austin within about six months of each other from different places, but we met here. And then that's, we started hanging out all the time. And um, this other guy named Rich Gabe, who was super funny. He doesn't do stand-up anymore, but he was so funny. He won the contest in 2001. Um, Not that that, you know... But just he he was really good stand up. But um, there weren't anywhere near as many women as there are now. But there were some, and um, I felt like the guys just were treated us like sisters or people to drunkenly make out with. But yeah. there wasn't <laughs> there wasn't any that I knew of at that time. There wasn't any predator stuff going on, except for one guy who was very obviously disturbed. And, um, but like, as happens now, once he started doing shit, everyone started talking about it and he couldn't keep getting away with it. Yeah. Well, people talked about the Valve in the, back in the day as something that where the comics would heckle the other comics or it could be very yeah. tough. So we were wondering, were they, would, would they heckle you or the other women? I, I got here at the tail end of that mm-hmm. and I'm, I told them at the time and stand by it that that is not a good thing to do (laughs) oh oh, you did you change you changed the uh, culture of the belt no they didn't give a shit but I just (laughs) was like there's still people I think like sometimes Bearden will nostalgically reference those times Mm -hmm. and I'm like that was a sick thing to do (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean it reminds me of the 
Um, I I don't know sick, but just it's shitty. It's yeah. asshole. Well, I don't think it was. I don't think it ultimately made um, the scene a better place. Right. They also romanticized the fact that there were only three mics or whatever. It's like, yeah. well, that mm-hmm. it's better for there to be more stage time. People are getting better a lot faster. I, yeah. I, I also say that I think one of the problems is that they act as if bad comics are in some way like an obstacle to good comedy and right. I've never understood the logic of that because that functionally they talk about it like oh we could get rid of bad people it's like right. well we you just don't pay attention to them now yeah. so it yeah. doesn't seem like they're you know hurting right. development or something I like enjoy that. bad comics <laughs> I've, I feel heartbroken whenever I see someone <laughs> terrible bombing yeah um, you see them like a cat that's wounded or something yeah or a person you know with feelings <laughs> well yeah. although yeah. I will say the to guys, me a cat would I would feel more sorry for a cat so <laughs> I would feel real sorry for a cat doing stand up because they would be terrible at it and they would be terrified by all the noise and the lights um, but just for the record the washer push pussy guys in San Antonio would be killing with that material. Yeah. That was part of why it was such a nightmare. Um, But I wonder if the, what you're talking about during that period, like there had, there was a time in the eighties and I think early nineties when really hacky people could make a shitload of money on the road. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if they, the um, we get rid of bad people thing was their reaction to that. But yeah, I don't feel... I also don't think they, they got rid of bad people. I think yeah. that they discouraged the people they didn't like from going to their mic. Yeah. But I don't think that they got them to quit comedy. It's probably good. That's probably true. Um, all right, cool. Well, that addresses... I don't know that. if that I, answered that. No, I, I think so. I think so. Um, let me just get to the questions that, that still apply real quick. I know you say you don't really like to travel, but do you have uh, a favorite city to perform in? I would say outside of Austin mm-hmm. would be for sure Minneapolis. Yeah. Hands down. Yeah. Just based on the other day or? Um, um, they, <laughs> 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 they saw one show I did there. That's how I decide. <laughs> That's how I decide things. <laughs> um, well, every time that I've been there, except one time before I quit drinking, every other time I've been there, Acme Comedy Club in Minneapolis, they just get like the best audiences. And it's crazy because you, to some extent, you can't always trust material that works there because they're so great that it makes you think a bunch of stuff is really great. And Mm. then you do it in Chicago and people are like, well, no. (laughs) (laughs) But so they're just people who are really there to have a good time and to laugh. And it just makes you feel good. They're common fans, I imagine. Yeah. And then on my list, then work toward that. Um, okay, and then, sorry, this is going to be a little bit out of order, but how many nights a week do you do comedy? Well, when I'm here and I am have my intention to do it, I, I like to do it three to five nights a week, but I haven't done that since I moved back a month ago because I, when I wasn't traveling, I just wanted to... Um, like get into you know being around sober folks or also having also have food issues of being around um i want to say fat folks because it would sound funny but that isn't actually (laughs) (laughs) that's fat-hearted folks people who love food to be around i love to be around fat-hearted people Mm -hmm. um that's not nice uh 
It also sounds like a medical condition. Yeah. Like, should get help. <laughs> we have fat hearts and we're hanging on by a thread. Um, <laughs> that's not right. I get a lot of help from recovery programs for ver- a variety of issues. So. Do you do the, like the overeating stuff too? Yeah. Or are we allowed to? I never know. Yeah. Um, there, there are several programs for people with eating disorders, several 12-step programs. So... You can say that you're involved in 12-step recovery without breaking the anonymity of which program you're in. But for drinking, there's pretty much just one. Yeah. So I can't publicly. Gotcha. But it's so dumb that I'm... Obviously, that's what I'm talking about. I thought it just had to be uh, like it, like like a therapy session. You just can't say what happens in there. Well... From what I understand, the the reason for the anonymity with, um, like, for example, AA... Just for one... Yeah, just, just for, for a there. hypothetical example, mm-hmm. is that if somebody um, in a newspaper or on the radio or TV says, I got sober with Alcoholics Anonymous, it saved my life, it's the best thing that ever happened to me, and it can help you too, and their intentions are obviously very good, but because of the nature of alcoholism... A lot of people relapse. It's heartbreaking, but it's it's uh. sort of like I think of it as like a cancer that is has a high recurrence rate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even with treatment, and even if the treatment works sometimes, and but if that happens, then an alcoholic who feels hopeless and wanted to turn to AA for help sees someone publicly say they did it and it worked, and then they relapse, and then. Most people who are alcoholic who get to the point of being hopeless um, are afraid nothing's going to work anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it would possibly discourage someone from what might be a life-saving tool. And and it's true in therapy generally. People who have uh, suffered from mental illness often have parents or loved ones that... uh, took their own life or something like that and then they often attribute the therapy to being a problem right so they don't get help themselves so that's true yeah it's really sad yeah P- human beings are heartbreaking mm-hmm. it's it, from one perspective I try to stop trying to look on the bright side <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> guys you have to constantly <laughs> repress um <laughs> so okay and do you would you say that you have any like career goals or just comedy goals well, I have, I was wanting to work on enough new material to maybe do an hour special at some point, and then after the shows in Indiana when I couldn't stand the sound of my own voice for 45 <laughs> minutes, I'm thinking maybe I should table that idea for now mm-hmm. and just try to work on new material so that, because I love stand-up, yeah. I just don't enjoy long sets. I feel like it's my energy is so low that it i start getting really um like a little preoccupied with um these people probably want to get up and leave (laughs) at a certain point um but i i want to work on this is i know cliche but i have what might be a really dumb idea for a screenplay and i have um I feel like if you have an idea, you should try it. it. If it if it's terrible, you'll find out, and it'll probably hurt my feelings. But I'll feel better. <laughs> yeah, I'll feel better than if I just keep for years going. One day I'm gonna try it. Yeah, you know, 
So that right now, my goal is to work on that. And instead of just never trying it, um, and then uh, new stand-up material. I would love at some point to be able to go on a tour with like two or three other comics. I was just going to say, what if you tried to work on like an album and or a special where instead of it's like an opener and then one comic doing an hour, you know, four comics are doing kind of 15 to 20. Yeah, like a mini Kings of Comedy with yeah, way less successful people. <laughs> <laughs> but I would love that. Yeah, that would be fun to me to do a tour. The, the times I've done the road that were really fun were twice um, Tig and I did a thing called the Crackpot Tour where <laughs> one of them we lost money, the other one we broke even. And they were only, one was a week and one was a week and a half. But it was fun because it was me and Tig and the first time um, two other comics and the second time one other comic. But we all, it was fun together, Yeah, you know. Yeah, I think that would solve your problem about, you know, being alone on the road or whatever. But if we just, if but we had that more as a model, I mean, you just have to open the clubs or, or whatever. Did you do? Did you go to clubs or were you going to? We, we actually booked it on MySpace, so it was a little while ago. <laughs> and it was all people. 2002, people's, three kind of? It was 2000, I think 2005 and right. six. Okay. And um, we just did shows in people's houses. And, uh, right. Um, but we didn't we didn't really make money. Oh, so I've heard of that. That's Maybe I heard you talk well, about it. Well, Tig on. did a, um, a like a documentary or special where she went to people's houses and it was after that. Like a backyard party. Yeah, thing. it was called Tig. I can't. I'm sorry. It was, a, but it was on Showtime, I think. Okay. And she went and she took John Doerr, who's a super awesome comic, and they went to people's houses um, and filmed it. Was this, this isn't the one where she had breast cancer? No, like no. It was like, after that. After okay. that. Because um, he's in that, too. John oh, Dorr. John Dorr? Yeah, he's, he's featured a lot. I think they must have been on the road together. Yeah. Um, what is it? Oh, Tig? Knock Knock, it's Tig Notaro. Yeah, that's yeah, what it was. Fact checker. Yeah, that's, I thought he was just giving us the time, but hadn't like trick it, taken the shit <laughs> off his phone. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Jesus, am I going to see it in the corner? <laughs> Um, okay yeah well so so yeah I like the idea because I'm always thinking about and that's what this podcast is supposed to be about is like comedy career advice in this time where like we're all trying to create careers and no one really knows what's happening because everything's changing and the internet offers all these opportunities and so I like the idea with especially like these kind of independent tours instead of it always being about the comedy clubs it would give us the freedom to be like well you don't have to do an hour like let's just right. and then that way you know you can travel with sober comics um, who you know all wanted to do that kind of a thing I mean it seems like a lot of fun yeah although like Tig isn't sober and neither were the other comics on the Crackpot tour but because Wait, we were all friends Crackpot Crackpot Wait, crack but, Crack but I like yeah, crackpot. I like, like crackpot. Yeah, like but I like I heard crock, crock, but I like crockpot better. <laughs> I heard crockpot the first time. It's really. really I'm gonna nice. see if I can get a crockpot tour. <laughs> I assumed y'all would What's be it? sober for this. It was. It's a brand name, so you'd have to actually probably do um, a lot of legal stuff. What yeah, if it was just like? Cooker. What if there was just crock space pot? Like, so it wasn't just crockpot. I think you could get away with it. I'd like to. I'd like to check it out. Um, yeah, no, but I guess people I'm already friends with drinking and smoking pot doesn't bother me. Yeah. Or or it doesn't make me feel separate from them. Right. 
It's only because with strangers, that's what I used to use to get to know strangers was oh, drinking with them. Right. So then it then it's feel I always feel a little outside of stuff, but right because it is with drinking it's like this pact like hey we're going to do this together so that we can get rid of these inhibitions so that we can get to know each other well that's I, when I think about it all the time like one thing it makes me angry at alcohol and people with their relationships to alcohol because being raised Mormon like you do all these things dancing and board and everything sober and for years past when everyone else does but it's like I miss like in college it's like everything had to be a drinking game and sometimes it's like why can't we just because playing games and stuff can can get people together can yeah. get people into that space where you can like get to know each other and have fun but if you were to invite people over and then not offer them drinks you know yeah. unless you all were alcoholics then it would become like what's uh, this is kind of lame like, yeah. I was like no we're just trying to get to know each other but yeah yeah, it's definitely, um, I mean, I'm kind of glad that I drank in college. That's the only good times I had in high school or college. And unfortunately, I wasn't able to get enough alcohol in high school to not hope that the school burns down. But I do still. <laughs> you want to tell us what high school you went to? Or? South Torrance High. I would love it if sometime with no people in it. Yes. I heard on the news. Nobody hurt. But just during the summer. One day it burned to the I'm ground. I'm gonna feel so powerful if this ever happens. <laughs> <laughs> My podcast. I'm not asking anyone to burn it down, but I'm saying if lightning hit if you it, hurt, yeah, or an electrical problem or something, and it just every trace of it was wiped off the face of the earth, and no people were hurt, I'd be real happy. No people or animals. Yeah. Good. That's on the record. And um, okay, do you like care? uh, Do you think about your online presence? (laughs) I don't know if I have an. (laughs) Well, I mean, you have a Facebook, and you Um, have um, some videos that are on the internet. Other than that, I'm not really sure. Actually, I have Twitter. I wish that I had a good website and then I wrote on put stuff on it regularly partly just because of um wanting to have that have an audience and wanting to do something for the audience rather than just be like hey you can see where I'm gonna be performing but actually how for the same way you feel about stand-up where you're like I want to I want to offer something that hopefully people will like rather than just be up there being self-indulgent which i think every i certainly do sometimes regardless of my intentions but by the way the last time i did a radio thing um people said i sounded like i was on barbiturates and (laughs) they were very angry that the radio show they liked had had me on so really yeah it just occurred to me because i feel like (laughs) oh my god that's awful i i feel like as i'm talking like i'm this is gonna be exactly you know what? the same. <laughs> Judgmental jerks. Some people have different personalities. Well, it was a sports show, and oh. the DJs were super nice, and they <sighs> they watch baskets, so they asked me to be on. But their audience was like, "We didn't sign up for this. Who is so this funny. dummy with the, <laughs> who sounds like she just came out of a hospital room?" So. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, that wasn't your audience, but the audience that you have loves you. I, well, I think that's so. Oh. I, like the I, like Zach, you know, kind of famously asking you like just to be yourself in that TV show is so perfect. Like it feels like 
when you get on stage, like the the people who know you are just like just wanting you to be yourself and I think that like speaks to the whole like when you find your voice that's what we're all trying to get is that thing where people are like just be yourself because we love you and that's what god I hope that's not true so much do I hope that's not true (laughs) yeah Jared has a different direction he's going but uh, I, I just feel like the idea of like uh like being yourself like I don't know if myself is what people want oh <laughs> I really don't I see think. he should be depressed not you yeah so. I don't feel I don't feel like for whatever it's worth I don't feel like um I don't feel any of that like I don't feel like people love me I think that's why or we love you is that you clearly <laughs> can't tell but I do think that um that if you just if you're not capable of co- of constructing a more interesting person then you have to be yourself and then there are plenty of people who reject it but there may be will be some who like it and if there's even a small percentage of people over time there's a ho- the possibility of making a living at it but i wouldn't be making a living at comedy i would I'm only, um, I'm going to have to leave in a moment, but I'm only making a living at that one TV show I'm on that when it ends, I will have to figure out again, how am I going to support myself? But, um, maybe the crock pot tour, maybe, or just maybe selling crock pots door to door. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you could do a Maria Bamford style special (laughs) where you do do comedy while you try to sell crock pots. (laughs) <laughs> That's what the crockpot door becomes. Um, should we try to do any wrap up questions? Or do we have time for that? If we sure. can skip the Austin comedy, but like, I'm s- did I? I'm sorry. I, I no. one of the things is I I drone on a long time, no, no, so no. you didn't get to ask as much stuff as you wanted to. Sure. I apologize. No, it's okay. We'll have you back to f- yeah. later on if you. Well, you you're welcome to give that some thought before. Uh. You <laughs> <laughs> um, I well, I have a question. I I think I I would like to know what you think is the most sort of prevalent misconception among new comics whether it, it's comedy as an art form or comedy as an industry like just i know that's very open ended but i can tell you what my misconceptions were when i was new i thought that within a very short time i should be really good at it and that i should get a some kind of bucket of money so that i wouldn't <laughs> have to so that i could just drink and do shows and not work um and that if it didn't happen really fast, it wasn't meant to happen. I'd really also had really grandiose fantasies. Like I thought, if I'm if I'm good at comedy, I'll do different material every single time I go on stage, <laughs> and I will kill. And I'll probably be on the Tonight Show within a few weeks. <laughs> and then I'll my problems will be how do I cope with the overwhelming fame that <laughs> happened overnight. Um, and um, I'm scratching off things now. <laughs> <laughs> but so those were my my fantasies and very grandiose fantasies. But like my the the stuff that was just normal maybe misconceptions of being new is that it that it should that I should figure out what I'm doing pretty quickly instead of it being like. It's usually a few years before people start to to fig, figure out 
you know uh what they like doing on stage right and um so like have fun and play around with that freedom in the first few years yeah and just like i would say one end of the spectrum as an example of why nobody should give up um this is an extreme example of someone who you might think would have given up but didn't this guy would just go on stage at open mics and he would bomb really hard every time and he instead of being like i'm not good at this he just was like i'm gonna go up more and then within like a year he was actually doing a good job and like if somebody through just doing it all the time can overcome that because it seems like most people when you start some things work and some things don't i would always take the things that didn't work to mean i should quit and i frequently still do (laughs) but i don't think really objectively it means that it just means it's sense of humor is subjective so sometimes the audience isn't on your same wavelength or sometimes i don't express the idea in a way that's funny or whatever but you can just the great thing about stand-up is there are open mics it's not like acting where you have to audition to get on a stage or screen so even if no one likes it if you like it you can keep doing it for fun for as long as you want i will even if when baskets ends if i have to get a job as a pet sitter which i love doing (laughs) or selling crock pots i will want to do stand up for the rest of my life regardless because i love it you know yeah except for when people don't enjoy it and then i don't ever (laughs) want to do it again (laughs) exactly well i think that's we have to end there but yeah hopefully we will have you back so we can answer this notebook full of questions well thanks for having me guys sorry i'm so long-winded that you didn't get through no this is really appreciate you doing it yeah we usually like to force people to stay longer but we were on a time crunch so well and i was it's not your fault but i was late i'm sorry jared was later so it's not your fault well you're great people like you well it's been a a delight thanks for having me (laughs) what up enjoy that i bet you did um (laughs) you better (laughs) you better whatever uh hey and if you did uh, i i you know rate review subscribe on itunes please and i don't know how that works for stitcher or any others um because i'm an old itunes lady i don't like calling myself a lady but you know what i mean but you the old part didn't bother you no 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 you know what i mean like i'm just old man i'm on pot the podcast app that comes on my iphone is what i use i don't see the need for these 18 other apps you are kind of an old person yeah that is i just i've never up. seen it before yeah i gave up um i'm just i'm i'm where i'm at it's like it's like final fantasy 7 like right in the middle of that game is where i stopped playing video games i can't handle anything newer than that done. yeah i just can't handle any of the new you're gonna retire stuff. to working in a library one day i hope so cardigan wearing so lesbian nice. well i'll be a farmer probably that you know just to just helping katie on the farm um yeah more more martha kelly you ask at martha hmm. kelly three on twitter which i love i there probably wasn't even a martha kelly two or a martha kelly she probably just took martha kelly three just to be like humble or something you know what i mean just to be oh god martha i forgot kelly to better. ask her if she was peaches oh god, god damn, damn it. it i'll have to well, ask when she gets we'll have to have her on again yeah um shit we'll never know martha kelly if you're listening um do write us at leading the blind 
podcast at gmail.com and let us know if you're peaches. Or just message us on Facebook. Well, I'm just trying to get that, g- that email out there. But, <laughs> oh, but that's a good point. you know, all of you, if you have any questions uh, that you'd like us to ask these comics, um, write us an email at leadingtheblindpodcast at gmail.com. Do it. And uh, if you're listening to this on June 1st, guess what? My show is tonight. Uh, my off-script show where heckling is allowed and encouraged. It's at the New Movement Theater at 9.30. There'll be drinks. There's always my mystery bag of prizes. And there's some good prizes. Tonight we've got uh, Eric Nimmer, Joe Hafke, Andrew Horneman, Allison O'Connor, and Pat Dean. And it's going to be awesome. Um, do, 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 do. Also, uh, we forgot to say I'm at Poop Tampon. I just wanted to make sure. Oh, and oh, I'm at Jared McCorkle. Spelled J E R E D M C C O R K L E. And your show? Oh yeah, uh, if you're uh, able to go to a show on uh, June 7th, uh, it's a Wednesday at Speakeasy at eight o'clock. Uh, my comedy show, Double Barrel. Uh, takes place it's where we take two awesome comics and they get to do uh, longer sets and it's gonna be really a lot of fun so you should come to that yeah I had a great time doing it Uh, and you know if you want even more Martha Kelly have you not watched Baskets yet what are you you thinking yeah that's a mistake on your part also Spider-Man it's not too late to to watch Martha on Baskets it's never too late unless uh, Hulu takes it off in which case but you've missed be, your chance and that no no because they box dvd well i just mean yeah maybe okay. go to netflix most, after most that. of us can't afford anything yeah um, or or if it's gone ask a friend to tell you about it also then check out martha kelly's comedy central special hell you know? yeah and buy it you know pay for it yeah support the arts see you next week bye International.